August 24th. Yes, Flames Talk this hour underway. Steinberg, Logan Gordon, and the Sports Drive underway brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. So, lots to get into this hour. Hi, Logo. Hi, Patrick. It's a nice highlighter you've got. Thank you. Uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, Live right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We know there's a brand new coaching staff, and we know there's a brand new management crew. We know that there is um, seemingly a new buzz when it comes to this Flames team. I wanted to kick off the show talking about this, because since the new coaching staff has taken over, since Craig Conroy has taken over as general manager, there's been a lot of talk about how the style of Calgary's game might be a little bit different from last year. And remember, last year in a lot of underlying categories, the Flames were a pretty high-end group. I mean, they, they had the puck a lot. They spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. They didn't allow a lot of shots. They didn't allow a lot of high-quality chances against, but it was a real struggle for them to generate offense. That was probably, when you when you look back, Logo, that was probably the the number one topic of the season was their inability to generate meaningful offense. It was kind of the most constant conversation we had all year long. Yeah, shots were never, like, shot volume was never an issue with this team. I don't think defensively we talked enough about how good they were at times. But, yeah, quality offensive chances, uh, high danger scoring chances, whatever term you want to put on it, uh, slot chances, any of that sort of stuff, stuff that, you know, you talk about those heat maps that you see where, where teams are generating offense from. And generally, the most successful blue. teams are, you know, right in the middle of that that triangle, right in front of uh, uh, the goaltender's crease. There wasn't a lot of that from the Calgary Flames last year. So, yeah, that I would say is, is fair to say was their biggest conundrum offensively last year was quality chances. So we had assistant coach Kale McLean on the program Wednesday. He's part of the new coaching staff. This will be year number four on the coaching staff for Kale McLean. So he, he, um, I guess your number, yeah, it'll be your number four. Um, he, he joined us on the show Wednesday and I asked him about how noticeable will the style of play be like from the outside for us watching how noticeable will some of the differences be and, and how much will we be able to pick up on it? This was uh, Coach McLean on Wednesday on that. When you watch our team play, you're going to see a different style of play um, with some elements of the – there's elements of um, our play on the defensive side of the puck that we've implemented the last few years that have gone well. Like there, when you look at underlying five-on-five numbers from the last few years, there are a lot of numbers that really, you know, were um, top 10 NHL numbers in terms of how we managed without the puck. And I think that there's going to be elements of that we're going to, we're going to maintain, but there are a few systems that are going to be a bit different without the puck. 
Um, so, and that'll be noticeable okay. in terms of um, when you're watching us play. But I think where we're hoping to create more excitement and more energy is in I, we had a hardworking team and we played with pace the last few years, but we, I think, can add another level of dynamicness in terms of our offense. And that's something that is, um, won't be super evident in terms of, you know, uh, like, you know, offensive zone is offensive zone. But I think when you get into uh, the transition in the neutral zone and you get into, the kind of uh, quality opportunities we want to create. We're hoping to maybe to push the envelope a bit more. We're hoping to uh, expand the ice a little bit more and a little bit faster so that we can get some more speed to our game and utilize, you know, the, some of the great speed we have in our lineup. And sometimes when you can do that, you can take players that are of average speed and they can all of a sudden look like they're, they're moving because they're a little bit ahead of the game okay. and it's our job as coaches to sort of implement that, like get, get our team on the same page offensively in terms of how quickly we want to spread and expand the ice and get to the other end of the ice. And when we do that, everyone's going to look fast. So I, I like, I like what we're going to uh, be working on here on the offensive side. So I think you're going to see some, some new and exciting things from our team with that underlying foundation of a team over the last few years that has been really well um, honed in the, on the defensive side of the game. So that that's a, like you, you hear that from one of the coaches and, and, you know, listen to Ryan Huska talk even from day one when he took over as head coach, you know, I, I think that there's reason to be excited about the type of brand they might play next year, Logo. And, and can this team be a little more exciting offensively next year? And so, knowing how difficult offense was to come by last year. I, I think that that is all proof in the pudding. We got to see it on the ice, but from a word standpoint, I think it's fair to be a little excited and maybe the brand of hockey will be a little bit more up tempo and a little bit more enjoyable to watch next year. <laughs> I don't want to come off as harsh here, okay? but it'll sound harsh. How could it not be? more up-tempo and more exciting than it was last year. With all due respect to, to everybody involved last year, and, and I do mean that because I know there were really good hockey minds and really good people trying to make things work here, but in my mind, Pat, it couldn't have gotten any less stale when it came to those elements of the game than, than we could have seen from a team last year. To me, it doesn't get almost any lower tempo or dynamic they play, they offensively. Played, they played up tempo, but once the puck was at the right end of the ice, there just was, there just wasn't a whole lot of creativity. No, and, and that's, and that's, so that's what I mean. That sounds harsh, but I really almost feel like there's nowhere to go, but up for this team. And I like the pieces they have. I, I really think having Mark Savard, a guy who I think when you look at his playing career has so many of those elements to him that he can bring now as a coach and those ideas that he can bring from that perspective, you have to be excited about it because there just wasn't anywhere near enough of that last year. Uh, we didn't get enough of, you know, that dynamic offense. We didn't get enough of that quick transition yeah. pursuit, that sort of tempo and then maintaining it into the offensive zone. It was almost like even when they did transition well, when they did get the puck going into the offensive zone, 
as soon as they crossed that blue line, something happened, and all of that tempo, that speed that they were playing with, it just went away, and it became passes became harder to complete, and you know, trying to do the little things, winning battles, all of that for whatever reason just went out the door. So mm-hmm. in a sense, I really can't see it going anywhere but up. And that's largely not just because I'm I'm trying to rag on what happened last year. We all know we're all part of it. But because I, I really do believe that they do have the pieces that can do that. Like if you're Jonathan Huberto, you've got to love hearing that. If you're, you know, even Elias Lindholm, that's got to be an exciting thing to hear. And I, I believe having guys like Mark Savard around who can really help relay that message gives me a lot of faith that those, like you said, aren't just words from Cale McLean and the coaching staff, that they are things that we'll start to see as tangible results on the ice. Okay, so saying all that, who should be most excited about that? What players should, could benefit the most from a more offensively dynamic brand of hockey? Because I think Huberto's the name that comes to mind right away, isn't it? Like Jonathan's name is the one that you think of first because I think the brand of hockey they played last year was part of not the only reason. I think Jonathan owns a lot of it too, but I think that was part of the reason why Huberto struggled offensively the way that he did last year, because it was a pretty stifling brand of uh, at least creativity stifling brand of hockey last year. I think Huberto's at the top of the list for obvious reasons. I'd throw Nazem Kadri into that same mm-hmm. mix because I think a lot of those things that we just talked about, Pat were elements that a Colorado team brought uh, the last couple of years, and he had some pretty good success offensively uh, playing in that kind of style, and he'll get opportunity, and he'll get minutes here in Calgary to to show. And even last year, and like we talk about having it being a bit of stifling offense, he still was able to put up 56 points in, in 82 games. So open it up offensively. Is there a chance for him to hit the 70-point po- uh, mark next season for the member of the Calgary Flames with a a more or offensive cadre. Okay. Right? Is there more is there a chance for him to to get back to that? Absolutely. I think for guys like Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson, that whole transition from offense to defense, Oliver Shillington start to you know, gotta start throwing his name back in the mix as well. Like that's gotta be exciting if you're talking about an Oliver Shillington, you're talking about, hey, we wanna get the puck, we wanna get it up ice fast, we wanna get to attacking as soon as we can. Okay, well, who are the puck movers on the back end? who can skate well and move with the puck, those kind of guys, those three that I just mentioned from the defensive point of view, I think could really benefit from that as well. And there's one other name that comes to mind. It's Dubé. Uh, I think that there's, uh, just knowing the history that Ryan Huska has with Dylan um, and knowing where Dylan is kind of in his progression, I think there's I, I think there's a good potential that a little more wide-open brand of hockey really helps a guy like Dubé be that much more dynamic because I think with his speed, there's some offense there. Uh, I, I think that that's a guy that could be unlocked. You mentioned Rasmus Anderson, too. Uh, this is Rasmus on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot and Jeff. Latest edition from Stockholm, Sweden, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. And on the latest, one of their sit-down interviews for a good nine or ten minutes was Rasmus Anderson. And uh, Rasmus was talked about kind of the the things that he's excited about and why he's feeling good about the coming season. You know, I trust the direction we're heading in and I trust, uh, you know, I've known Conroy since, um, since 2015 when I got drafted and uh, I know Connie, how much he loves the flames and uh, he wants what's best for the team. And um, so it's not something I question. I trust Connie and I, you know, I worked with Ryan Huska for 
since my first year in Stockton. I've had him. Yeah. He was my head coach for two years. Now my assistant coach for five years. So um, I know how good of a coach Ryan is. And um, I'm excited to, you know, get to work with Husk as the head coach because uh, I know how much he has developed me personally uh, over the last seven, eight years. And um, so I got full confidence in both of them. So that's Rasmus Anderson, just a little snippet of his chat with Elliot and Jeff on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. We'll hear another uh, little chunk in just a second when we transition topics. But I think there's a lot of guys, you know, Rasmus's offensive game didn't drop off. He had a nice year last year, but I think there's even more to be unlocked. And I think even talking to him a couple of times last year and as the season went along, I think that his comfort level in running this team's number one power play has just gotten larger and larger and will continue to do so. Didn't have a career year last year in points, but probably would have had he played all 82 or tied his prior career high. He did more than double his uh, career high in goals. And he had didn't 11. play the season hurt after that injury. That's in right. After the, the car situation, the scooter, the scooter situation, which glad to hear. It sounds like that's completely behind him now and he'll be at a hundred percent, but you're right. Wasn't the last like 15 games or so last, last 20 games or so season for uh, sure. He was, he was playing not at a hundred percent, both physically and mentally because he talked about pretty traumatizing to be out on the street. And then the next thing you know, you wake up in the hospital. That's that, that would shake a lot of people. But yeah, I think that a more offensively, um, not even offensively inclined because you heard Kale talk about how important the defensive details are still going to be the foundation of the way they play, but just a little bit more creativity. And, and for a guy like Rasmus or a guy like Oliver Shillington, even Mackenzie Weger, a little bit more of a green light to, to jump in at times. I think that'll be interesting. And definitely for the forwards that really let's, let's be honest, the, the, the forwards, the drop off offensively, for key forwards, one of the biggest areas that let the Flames down last year, starting with Huberdeau, Kadri's numbers, especially in the second half of the season, nowhere near what they needed to be. Manjapani had a drop-off offensively. Lindholm's numbers weren't as strong as they were. I mean, outside of Dubé, Backlund, um, Coleman, there weren't a lot of guys that, that kind of took a step it was or or took a positive step when it comes to their offensive game and part of that is absolutely on the overall kind of stifling nature of the way they played stifled other teams stifled themselves but also i think there's there's some and i think the players in question absolutely have owned it uh there needs to be some responsibility taken there curious to see what or how different they end up looking like this year and you're kind of just in the well by default they're going to look different type of just because of how frustrating. It's so weird, though, because, and I guess it's not that weird because they had a line that was just so good together the prior year, but it didn't feel like they were that offensively pedestrian in Daryl Sutter's first full year as head coach, you know? Yeah, I don't. And look, I mean, obviously personnel changed between year one and two, but you're right. It still didn't feel like when Daryl had his first full season. And that line went off offensively, Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm, that we were talking about a Daryl Sutter team that was going to have trouble scoring goals or that was stifling to find itself with any sort of offensive creativity. And look, maybe maybe it was as simple as the personnel shifting out resulted in the the system not fitting the, the next current group as well as it could have. I, I I fully wouldn't be surprised if that was 
it, that was the case. But yeah, it, it was. I, I think it was a considerable drop off more than we thought we would see, given the talent that that we did lose, and obviously the talent that came in as well. Yeah, uh, I don't think anybody saw the kind of just general drop off in, in style of play and style of offense from them as well. Speaking of uh, Rasmus Anderson on the 32 Thoughts podcast, the uh, captain conversation has heated up once again. This was uh, this was Rasmus's response to Elliot Friedman's question. You know, would you like to be the captain of this team? What what would that mean? Similar to the one that I asked Mackenzie Wiegerla, would you like to be the captain of the Calgary Flames? And he gave, I would love to. Like, it would be an honor. This is Rasmus Anderson, another one of those candidates, asked the same question. Let's put it this way. It's something you would never turn down. And no player in the league would ever turn it down. And I would obviously love to be the captain of the Calgary Flames, but I, I feel like we have a lot of good leaders on our team. And, you know, whoever, Connie and Husk, because they're such a smart persons, whoever they pick, it's going to be the right pick. And I would obviously embrace the challenge, as I just said, embrace the challenge and embrace the opportunity. But, you know, if it's me, it's me. If it's not me, it's someone else. And whoever they pick, it's going to be the right call because I have so much trust in Husk and Connie and the owners in Calgary that they're going to make the right call. And I feel like that's something we've missed last few years. You know, in Canadian market, you need someone to step up towards the media, towards the coaches, towards the owners, because there's so much pressure on the players that, you know, when we had Gio, you know, he would, he would embrace that and he would, I'm the captain and I'll, I'll take this one. You know, Bax did it to a point last year but even he he said to me he's like I'm like Bax you are the captain he's like no I know ish but you know I don't have the C's I can't do everything I want to and it's such a fine line with that because in our room we also Bax as the captain right but for him it's hard right when we see him as the captain but he's not the captain and I feel like in a Canadian market you really do need one and you know, if it's me, if it's Weeks, if it's Bax, Johnny, whatever, whoever it is, it's it's going to be the right call and it's going to be the right step for our franchise to take the next step. So that was Rasmus Anderson again on 32 Thoughts. couple of things there. First of all, again, talking like a guy who would make a great choice for captain if they were to go. For me, the, the front runners, the guys that I, especially knowing contract situation, future situation, Uyghur, Anderson, kind of, Six and one, half a dozen the other. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys because even listening to Rasmus talk there sounds like as much as his contract is near the end now, still a guy that sounds like a long-term member of the Flames and a guy who's going to get paid on his next deal as well. But the other the other thing that I keep on hearing, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll own this myself because I remember numerous times, whether it on on – you know, PM versions of Flames Talk or post-game versions of Flames Talk, people would call in or text in and say, you know, naming a captain, they need to do that. That'll change the, that'll turn the season around. And while I don't believe that naming a captain would have fixed the main issues of last year, I still think it would have been just as frustrating a year. Just hearing enough players say that, you know, they've they've definitely missed having a captain the last two years. I maybe poo-pooed that and and shot it down or pushed back on it more than I should have. So, um, yeah, I can absolutely admit that, you know, you hear that from enough guys that, yeah, for those of you who are calling and texting and saying maybe they should name a captain, maybe I shouldn't have pushed back or or downplayed it as much as I did. I still don't know. It's tough to convince me that that would have 
been enough of a difference maker that if Michael was wearing the captain, see, like uh, like Rasmus just said, that they would have ended up making the playoffs or they wouldn't have dealt with some of the issues they had last year. But at this stage, anything that you can do that can add, whether it's a percent or 2% or 4% or half a percent in terms of making things more cohesive, I'm all for it. So, yeah, I'm glad they're naming a captain because it's clearly something that that, that group believes is is important and, and that locker room believes is important for the coming year. Yeah, I certainly don't know that it would have changed anything on the ice for this team. Or enough on or the ice. Or enough on the ice. I think it would have gone a long way to ironing out some ironing out some of the differences that existed in the locker room, whether that be between coach or player or, you know, decision making from from all those different levels that Rasmus talked about. I I clearly believe whether it was hearing McKenzie with you guys on Flames Talk or hearing Rasmus on that, that it's it's become clear to me that it does make a difference to those guys. And you can be a lifelong member of the Calgary Flames, probably as respected a member in that locker room as anybody, Pat, and still that C on your chest compared to an A makes all the difference in how you feel you can go about your business. Right, that piece of what he said about Michael Backlund and saying, "Look, there's only so much I can do, Raz. I'm I'm not the captain. I, I feel like I have a limit to what I can bring up, what I can broach with, whether it was Daryl or the GM or whoever. That that was clearly a thing, right? And clearly something that doesn't need to be there for this team. I think they have plenty of great leaders now that can take that on their shoulder and, and pick it up. And and yeah, I think." Going back to, I want to say it was just probably game 81, last second last home game of the year um, before Coronado and Wolf made their debuts because they were the ones that did most of the post-game talking afterwards. But uh, I remember going into the Flames locker room afterwards and they had been eliminated. It was and the Nashville was, loss. It was the Nashville loss. And... You know, you get your couple minutes and oh, especially on... Nick Ritchie with the season <laughs> on the line. I'll never forget that. Um, but the other thing I won't forget is going to the locker room and, and going to the scrums with everybody. And, you know, it's a tough night. It's a frustrating night. And you know it's not going to be. It's it's never the night to, to go over everything, even though it feels that way, right? The questioning can feel that way. You know it's going to be for locker cleanout day. But I remember specifically because I, I brought our, our stuff back to the audio, back to you in the hot stove lounge as you were working the post-game show. And I texted you who we had and everything. And I was like, dude, Rasmus is like eight minutes tonight. Yeah. And you're like, eight minutes? He stood there and he answered everything. He let all his frustrations out as a person and talked honestly and openly about how he felt and how, you know, how frustrating it was. And to me, that just made me look at Rasmus and go, yeah, look, this is a really easy time to just say, hey, look, we'll, we'll pick it up on locker cleanout day. We'll, we'll jump into this another time. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be there to answer the questions. And they were hard ones. They weren't easy ones to answer from that point because nobody had any of the answers then. But he tried his best to do that. And it'll always stick yeah. with me that night when he didn't owe anybody the answers. But he, he certainly felt like 
it was his job and part of his responsibility to yeah. answer for what had happened on the season. Couple of texts at 960, Meigs and Airdrie. I see the Flames being one of the bottom four in the West this year. The specific division will be a lot tougher the coming season. I, I don't know if I do I see them as a bona fide, no questions asked, top three Pacific or uh top eight in the West. I don't I don't know if I can say that. I think that there's a chance that this year will be more positive than last year was when they were a bubble playoff team and they just missed last year. I don't think it's crazy to think they could be a playoff team next year. Um, But to say that I I don't, regardless of how bad things go, I I don't know if I see them being a bottom four team in the West. I just don't even think roster wise, they're that poor. Are they an elite team in the West? I don't think that we can say that coming into the year, but are they that? I don't know if I see them being that bad. Um, this says, uh, just want to give a shout out and applaud all you guys at 960 for trying to make this upcoming season sound like it's going to be different and exciting. Unfortunately, having players like Huberto, Kadri, Backlund, Lindholm, Hannafin still around in the locker room. They're heading for 20th place as usual, but the truth can hurt. Um, and finally, uh, I'm not the captain. There's only so much I can do. Lame excuse. Step up and be a leader anyway. Um, of course, Backlund wasn't the only one hiding behind that excuse. There you go. At 960-960, few responses to uh, what we've heard to this point on Flames Talk. And looks like we'll be hearing from Jacob Markstrom uh, as part of uh, 32 the thoughts. 32 Good. Thoughts with uh, Jeff and Elliot. Elliot just posted a picture on Twitter of a smiling and uh, rather happy-looking Jacob Markstrom with the caption, Jacob Markstrom is not worried about the Calgary Flames, so... Sounds as though we'll hear from another uh, Swedish member of the contingent of the Flames. Yeah, Elliot and Jeff over in Sweden. They're doing kind of the uh, Swedish uh, marketing NHL tour right now. Rasmus Anderson is part of the latest 90-minute plus 32 thoughts available now wherever you get your podcast. This is your Flames Talk podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, rolling on on this Thursday. Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Staying inside the Pacific Division. Edmonton Oilers officially, we knew about this on Wednesday, but made official on Thursday. Uh, they've kind of taken care of their last piece of off-season business, and that's the signing of Evan Bouchard to a two-year bridge at $3.9 million on the AAV. Leaves lots of questions about what happens in two years, and also a lot of people in and around these parts wondering what that big Austin Matthews extension in Toronto might mean for a couple of uh, rather important pieces of the Edmonton Oilers. Let's head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And uh, for the first time, now that, you know, the changing media landscape, does uh, it's not always the best, but it does give us the opportunity to bring new guests on, like a guy that I've uh, been pining to bring on for like a decade, Tom Gazzola of Edmonton Sports Talk, joins us on the program right now from Edmonton. Tommy, what's going on? Pat, uh, this it just feels so right, you know? And now that it's allowed, my goodness. Uh, you know how it was before when we had the competing uh, parent companies? This was a no-no, but that's no longer the case. And uh, here we are, my friend. We're 
on the air and uh, an honor to be on with you, my friend. I'm also very uh, excited for uh, the venture that uh, y'all are doing, you and uh, Dusty and Eric and uh, and Sean and everybody jumping in on uh, Edmonton Sports Talk. We're cheering for you down here, uh, and, and I mean that. I you know, and, and I'm also as, as happy as I am that Dusty kept the CFL gig on the three-letter network. It means I still can't bring him <laughs> on, um, but I am. I'm, I'm just, uh, we're rooting for you down here, I, I, and I mean that. I really, really appreciate it. It's scary. It's daunting. But you know what? The, uh, the community here, uh, obviously, like Calgary, Edmonton's a passionate sports market. And people are, are hungry for it. And we're w- willing to provide it. Obviously, we didn't want to go anywhere. And uh, I'm actually at a charity golf tournament with Dusty right now. So he, he sends his best regards and he blows you some kisses and says, say hi to Patty for me. So uh, the love is still there, my friend, uh, even though he's at the three-letter network. And <laughs> And yeah, it's, you know what, um, we've got some great things in store and basically what we had over there at 1260, we're going to reinstill, I think is a great way to describe it and then expand on it and make it robust and make sure we're, we're calling all the shots instead of having some suits in Toronto, tell us what's up. Um, And I feel like we're going to go in the right direction and you know what, it's obviously super early, but um, being in, in this business for a little while, you learn a thing or two. And uh, we feel like we have a great team, and we're going to bring a great product to the forefront. Yep, we're uh, we're rooting for you down here. That's awesome to hear. Um, blow those kisses back to Dusty as well. What uh, what'd you uh, what'd you make? I mean, I, the number seemed like it was pretty set for a little while, and it, it didn't feel like there was going to be any worry about whether this would happen or not. But what's your reaction to that two-year bridge for Evan Bouchard at three point nine million? Yeah, the first thing is good that it's out of the way because they get him locked up. He's going to be a big piece of this back end of the team uh, as a whole, obviously, Pat. And it now basically the opportunity that's presented to him is, is enormous. And he can just run with it. I mean, we watched Tyson Berry put up unbelievably fantastic numbers, and he did a great job quarterbacking that power play from the point. Uh, you know, when you've got Trisaddle McDavid, they're running the show, but he was excellent at reading and reacting and distributing appropriately. And, and we saw that with Evan Bouchard when Barry was traded for Matthias Ekholm. Took a little bit for Bouchard to get used to playing with those guys on the power play. And then when he settled in, he was, he was fantastic. So that part of it, the relief for Oiler fans to make sure everybody's in the fold uh, is, is the priority. And then, you know, myself, uh, I'm going, okay, they got him for two years at, you know, a decent rate considering what he's produced early in his career. He could pop off and he could be cashing in and you and I could be discussing his next contract two summers from now being double what he's making right now, uh, whether it's, uh, on sports or on Edmonton sports talk. So <laughs> that's the potential, but you know, there's, there's going to be some cap relief and it'll go up in the next year or two. And, Obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle's contract will those will come to the forefront, but it's good. And but you know what, Pat? Like now, as they did last year, they're going to have to go into the regular season with a reduced roster, which is yeah. not ideal. Right, because they basically don't have any cap space right now. I think they're technically over the cap. They'll be able to they'll be able to figure that out, but it does not give them a lot of flexibility for the coming year at all, does it? No, and. This is what happened last year. They were in the same boat, and everyone was saying, what are you going to do? How do you make space? They sent Matthias Janmark down to Bakersfield, and he wasn't happy. So they, they got one of their veteran bottom six guys upset right off the hop when they built a relationship with him. And then on top of that, 
Kyle Yamamoto got hurt right before the season started in one of the last preseason games. He couldn't go, and they, it wasn't a bad enough injury that they could put him on LTIR and accrue some space. And it was to the point where they had to dress a reduced roster in game one. And so that's exactly what we're going to see uh, again. And, and a guy gets hurt, and it's not a severe enough injury to keep him out long term. Guess what? Uh, they're playing with 19 skaters or players instead of a full 20. And, you know, people are pointing and laughing at them. But that's the, the corner that they back themselves into. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so what does this mean in two years? Because there's, there's a Bouchard contract and a dry saddle contract that both come up at the same time. They won't have a ton of money coming off the cap when it's time to negotiate both those. And if Bouchard's, you know, if, if all of a sudden he's quarterbacking PP one and he goes from being a 40 point guy to a 70 point guy and, or, or puts up numbers like Tyson Berry was putting up on that power play. Now, all of a sudden his dollar figure skyrockets, even as an RFA, we know that dry is going to get paid. What is it? What does it look like in two years time? What does the summer of 2025 look like for the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, well, whoever's the GM at that point, because, you know, it pretty much won't be Kenny Holland. He'll do his last year here off his contract. And then they've already started the search for the next GM. Um, that conversation, I mean, from an Oilers standpoint, that hockey ops department is probably praying for the biggest increases in salary cap year over year uh, that we've seen, obviously, in a while. So that's probably where it starts. And then on top of that, um, they're going to have to get creative. Pat, like, you know, if it doesn't uh, grow the salary cap, that is, doesn't grow the way they expect it to or hope it does, then they're going to have to, you know, build up Jack Campbell and, and see if there's some value out there for him somewhere. And, and that can happen with goalies. And there's probably Oilers fans that are listening right now that are going, Jack Campbell, come on. Did you see him last year? Yep, every day. I saw him every day. He struggled mightily, but... Um, he's a guy that maybe he has a bounce back season and maybe if they still are on a cap crunch, that 5 million, if Stuart Skinner continues to progress the way he did last season, um, maybe they could find a way to get creative and loosen up some of the money they're paying him or, uh, you know, something could happen. Maybe there's a, a trade out there. Uh, you know, how long does Evander Kane stick around? What happens with Ryan Nugent Hopkins? I know mm-hmm. there's no movement on him too, but you look at those $5 million guys and you go, well, one of these has to give if they don't have the, the cap space to sign the big dogs because Drysaddle and McDavid and obviously Bouchard are at the forefront. And uh, I know, you know what, the, the elephant in the room is Darnell Nurse and a lot of people saying, well, I'll just trade him and his $9 million contract. Guess what? Um, that's a tough contract to move. There's a lot of years left. And on top of that, he is tight, really tight with McDavid and Drysaddle. And I wouldn't want to rock the boat. And, and piss those guys off by trading away one of their best friends because you're trying to save cap space. Fascinating on that front. Um, we're chatting with Tom Gazzola, Edmonton Sports Talk. It's uh, been an interesting little stretch here for the Edmonton Oilers. They get Bouchard officially signed on this Thursday to a two-year bridge. What um, did, for, for us here, and, and maybe this is because I'm in Alberta and the Oilers are always close to top of mind when it comes to people in Calgary, just because in a lot of ways, that's one of the biggest hurdles the Flames are going to have to clear over the next number of years. But as soon as Austin Matthews signed his four-year extension on Wednesday, first thing that I said is, okay, what does that mean for Drysaddle in two years? And what does that mean for McDavid in three years? Is that, is, is that a poor leap to make? Or did you think similar things? Exactly. 
same thing. Pat, I mean, great minds think alike. Let's just make that uh, abundantly clear. I agree. Clear. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're just going to agree on everything today. But uh, in all seriousness, the first thing I, I thought when I saw the Matthews deal was, wow, okay, he's sticking around for a bit. What year does that take him up to? Oh, 29-30. That's just enough time to get out and sign another big ticket elsewhere. Listen, that's me being pessimistic. I get that. We like to make fun of Toronto and, and bug Leaf fans, and I think that's an Alberta thing too and a Western Canadian thing. But outside of that, um, I thought, I'm like, well, there's where Leon's number starts. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't go anywhere lower than what Matthews is getting, and you can make the argument, and I think it's completely valid that uh, Drysaddle brings everything that Matthews does to the table, if not more. And uh, especially with McDavid. And again, I talked about how tight that him, uh, McDavid, Nurse are. Yep. Um, that's important. So I, I think we're talking about at least what Matthews is getting money wise for Leon Dreisaitl. He's he signed a great deal when he was really young, coming off his ELC uh, that paid him eight and a half, and he was unproven at the time. That was a deal that worked out beautifully for the Oilers. But they're going to have to pay literally. And uh, if you want quality players, you know, you got to dish out uh, the big bucks and the shekels for them. And the Oilers are going to have to do that. So I think, you know, he'll take no less than what Matthews is getting right now. And then maybe even more. And I know that, you know, maybe that sounds a little crazy, but uh, we're talking about an NHL that continues to have, you know, record profits and, and revenue and, and the cap going up after the years of it being frozen. So this guy's going to cash in big time if he keeps performing. And his track record has been fantastic. And you can call me an Edmonton homer, but you look at what he's done compared to pretty much anyone else in the league over the last four or five years, he's right there. So is there – because then then all of a sudden the conversation turns to the year after, what does that deal look like for McDavid? And I don't I don't buy into the, well, he's just going to leave Edmonton. Like, I, I, I don't think there's – I think he's staying at Edmonton on his next deal, and and I think yeah. he's I think he's going to get paid. I just what is that? So if if we're talking in the thirteen fourteen range for Drysidle, what the hell does that mean for McDavid? And and whatever he ends up getting, it's going to reset the bar, but it'll probably also still be less than he could get on the open market. It's it's I find it hard to start to think about what that number is going to look like for McDavid on big contract number two. Well, <laughs> it's going to be pretty straightforward. McDavid and his new agent just put a number on a sheet of paper and slide it over to Daryl Cates and whoever the GM is at the time, and they sign it, basically. That's, that's what it's going to be, Patty. Like, it's, this is a blank check, and he's going to get paid. Uh, the Oilers will pony up, you know, to what extent they'll negotiate. I don't know how much of a hard bargain you can drive with him, but yeah, if we're talking about Austin Matthews in 2023, making 13 and a half, and we're talking about Leon Drysaddle a couple of years from now, making more than that for McDavid, by the time we get to that year where we're talking about his next contract, maybe we're pushing 20 Pat, that might be a little bit robust, but I think we're creeping up there. I don't. I don't think it's that robust either. If they, and if that's what he wants, I, I, it's, it's hard to be like, nope, you're not worth that. Like he, he is. He sets the bar. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm with you 100 percent on that one and what that might look like. And I know that's three years down the road, but it does kind of feel like there's now all of it. Now all of a sudden, a finite window for this Oilers team, and whether it's two or three years, it, it just it feels like okay. 
we know we know the talent that exists, and we know that this team has has started to make inroads come the postseason. And you know, here they are; they've won three playoff rounds in the last two years, and and they're knocking on the door, perhaps for more. But it it sure does feel like their their best shot at winning it all is in a pretty finite two or three year time period now in the in the next couple of years. Yeah, and and that's completely fair to say. And it's you know, it's it's obviously. I don't want to say created panic here, but it's turned the heat up a little bit, especially with them going to the conference final a year ago. And then this past year losing to the golden Knights when they thought that they could go all the way. And, and really like that, that series Edmonton was right in it till game five, where they coughed up a lead in the second period, had a bad stretch for three minutes, allowed, uh, you know, three goals by the golden Knights after taking a couple of bad penalties. And, and they could have, we could have been talking about an Oilers team that went to the cup final. And we'd be talking, you know, who knows what would have happened. That's a hypothetical, obviously. But, yes, the window is now. Um, and, and it's it's totally fair to, to say that. But when I look at it and you, you take a step back, you go, yes, you know, there's this imminent uh, feeling of urgency. And that's totally understandable. But once they get these next deals done or if they get these next deals done for McDavid and Drysaddle, it's incumbent on the next GM to, to replenish the shelves and make sure right. that uh, the aging, declining talents and pillars on the team are, are replaced by players that are adequate enough to keep the team in contention. And that's how you extend a, a, a window of competitiveness and being a contender. But yeah, honestly, right now is their window. Ken Holland has built this team to win in the next couple of years. And that's when you look at the salary situation and all the contracts, that's what they've got to deal with, and then they're going to have to get creative and clever, like Chicago did, like Pittsburgh did, uh, to find ways to stay relevant, even Tampa, um, for more than just two to three years. So uh, right now the task at hand is to, to make a run for the Stanley Cup with this group, and then beyond that, to make sure you can keep this group together, the core at least, and then replenish the talent around them with young, excellent players that can uh, keep this team afloat and at the top of the Pacific division and maybe competing for a Stanley cup more than just, you know, three or four years uh, in a three decade span like they have. Yeah. Uh, let's qu- last question for you, Tommy. And that's just looking ahead to this coming year. And, and now that the Bouchard news has, has been put to bed, what, what's, what's the biggest key for Edmonton to get over that hump and that hump being, you know, running into the team that eventually wins the Stanley Cup and getting past them, whether it was Colorado in the West Final two years ago or this year the Vegas Golden Knights. Like what what needs to happen for the Oilers to get over what what might be that final hurdle for them? Yeah, I'll put it on the goaltending, Pat. I, I mean, Stuart Skinner got his first dose of NHL playoff action, and he did not pass the test on on a, more nights than you would be comfortable with. Fault with him faltering. Uh, Jack Campbell came in in relief, and you know some people were saying, "Hey, you should have started Campbell in Game Six against the Golden Knights." I don't think it would have mattered. Um, so the goaltending is going to have to be better. Stuart Skinner is going to have to take a step. Jack Campbell is going to have to be the Jack Campbell from a couple of years ago, and not be the guy that would let in floaters from 60 feet out or pucks going through his glove and him looking at it like what happened. That that's going to have to be a, a big part of what puts this team over the top. And honestly, you know, even though they have a really competitive roster right now, spearheaded by two thoroughbreds, they're going to need another defenseman and then at some point a centerman. Then we could be talking about a complete team. But the pieces are in place. They should be good again. 
Um, but you got to play the games and we'll see what happens. And um, the goaltending to me, Pat, will be the big thing that I'm going to be watching. And you hope if you're an Oilers fan that everything works out as planned and Skinner continues to progress and Campbell bounces back. But if that doesn't happen, that could be big time trouble for this team. What a joy to have you on. Uh, you've just made my week, Mr. Gazzola. Be well. Oh, say hi to Dusty I, I, again. I will say hi to Dusty. He's smiling from ear to ear. I'm looking at him right now, and I can't wait to have you on Edmonton Sports Talk. Absolutely. Go enjoy the rest of your round. Be well. We'll talk soon, Tommy. Thank you, Patty. Tom Gazzola, Edmonton Sports Talk. As uh, Hey, look, the... The the Matthews deal is put to bed for the next five years. The Matthews situation is put to bed for the next five years. Now, the next two big NHL foundation rocking deals will be signed here in this province. In two years, it's dry saddle, which means he's a year away from being eligible for that next deal. I mean, maybe it happens before it's time. Like, look, Matthew signs with one year left on his deal. Um, maybe that happens next summer with Drysaddle. He's eligible as early as next summer. And then following that, it's McDavid, whose contract has three years left on it. And Drysaddle will absolutely uh, come in as one of, if not the highest paid player in the NHL when he resigns. And then the entire economic situation will be reset, and the bar will be reset by Connor McDavid in three years. Whether it's $15 million, that might be low, and that might be doing the Oilers a massive favor. Is it pushing 20? I don't think that's out of the question with how much the cap will rise in the next three years and what McDavid means to the Oilers. Is it 19? Is it 18 and a half? Is it 20? Again, I don't think that we're overstating things by going into those numbers. Thanks to Tom Gazzola of Edmonton Sports Talk. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 as we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk. Thanks to Logo. Thanks to Taylor. Thanks to Cam uh, as uh, Taylor and Cam are outstanding producers as per usual. That'll wrap us up this hour, which has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors. If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash door.